All right, we're recording the awkward part where Adam's going to mention the thing we forgot to mention. <laughs> Go. If you learn to work the old way, but the new way is what you need. My job's to make that switch from old to new. Something less for you than it did for me. Here I drunk in PM radio. Whoa. Here I drunk in PM radio. Whoa. Hey, this is Adam Weisbart filling in for Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. My guest today is Dave Pryor. Hey, Dave Pryor. Hey, Adam. How's it going? It's going good. It feels a little awkward on this side. Does it? Does it? I think you're in the same room that you have been in for like the last year. So, well, there's another one. I go into the other one sometimes. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, well, hey, thanks for coming on your podcast for me today. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Uh, I was hoping uh, that you could tell me a little bit about what you've got going on these days and what you're working on and such. Uh, we haven't caught up for a while, so I'd love to, yeah. love to hear. Well, so I'm doing a lot of classes, but um, I've also been working on a couple of presentations. So I did one a couple of weeks ago for the Bureau of Digital about sprint planning and how to kind of tune that up. And I'm going to be speaking at your Agile Virtual Summit coming up very soon. But beyond that, I've been spending a lot of time trying to come to grips with the changes in the scrum guide and i've become one of those people who's like strangely obsessed with words and the way that they're used in the scrum guide and what we're supposed to do with them and uh lately i'm focused primarily on product goal doing a lot of work on that and when you say like strangely obsessed like i saw earlier when we were chatting on on your back wall there you have like one of those sort of um I don't really want to say like serial killer maps, but the thing with the with the strings String. and the different photos lining. <laughs> it's a totally stuff different up. project. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. No, um, no, right. I am. I like. I can tell you that the word accountable is used eight hundred percent more in the current version of the Scrum Guide than it was in the previous one. Really? Um, what What do you think accounts for that? I think that the changes in the Scrum Guide are intended to make it more uh, available to people, and I think that that. It is definitely serves that purpose. I think that they've used language that people are, are more comfortable with. But I read everything from the angle of the me that I was when I came to Scrum, which is a hardcore waterfall project manager. And I always look at it through the angle of how would I be able to manipulate this to turn it back into waterfall? And so words like accountable are really important because if I'm a project manager, traditional project manager, and somebody tells me I'm accountable for team performance, I'm totally going to make that team perform. Right. Which is not what I want to be teaching people when I'm teaching a CSM class. So how do you reconcile that now with the new Scrum Guide when you do teach a class? I specifically say, this says accountable, but that's not what that word don't, it's sort of like the Inego Montoya moment. Um, you know, this word doesn't mean what you think it means. Yes. Um, so just in case anybody wasn't familiar, I knew you knew what it meant. Um, I think that those words are there and they're, and they're, I know the people that work on this thing. I know, I trust them. I know that they're smart people who put a lot of thought and care into it. While the word accountable is a word that people, many people value and are comfortable with, I think that there's better ways to say it. I, here's a really good example um, where I use the word differently. I used to always say that the team members should hold each other accountable. Right. And I feel, feel really strongly about that. Like, it's not that the scrum master is the scrum police. I think that the whole team is each other's keeper. And I was interviewing Ron Jeffries one time, 
And I thought, you know, knowing Ron, like I figured I'm going to, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to ask Ron. He's totally going to say yes to this. And he's going to be, you know, all Ron about it. And that'll be great. And I said, Ron, don't you think the team members should hold each other accountable and that it shouldn't just be the scrum master's job? They should all do that for each other. And Ron looked at me and said, no, they should hold each other up. And I was like, oh my, it was like, <laughs> like Ron punched me right in the heart. I was like, damn, man, because I'm expecting him to be all like, get off my lawn about everything. And that was such, such a, he said it with such care and kindness that I was just like, it, it totally changed the way I thought about it. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's good intent behind the use of the word. I think that a lot of people will misinterpret it. Just like right. the word commitment, same thing. So in your class, you just sort of warn them like which glass the Iocane powder is in. <laughs> I try. I do what I can. Yeah. But but I figure that most of them are gonna um, not remember a lot of stuff, so I try to do I try to really emphasize some of those points for the really yeah. big stuff. Yeah, is is there other stuff besides uh, accountable that you are focusing on when when you do that? There is uh, another part in this new version of the Scrum Guide where it says that if the Scrum master and the product owner are taking tasks. They can report in the daily Scrum as if they were development team developers. We're supposed to call them developers now. Um, and just by by accident, I think I know where that came from. Uh, at the last Agile conference, I walked in early one morning and I saw Jeff Sutherland sitting at his booth. And I walked up and I said, "Look, Jeff, you guys don't state in the Scrum guide that the Scrum master has to be at the daily Scrum. Do they have to be there?" Uh, I'm really tired of my students asking me questions and me kind of going back and forth because there is no real answer. And he said, at my company, the product owner and the scrum master would both have to have a really good reason for not being in the daily scrum. And I was like, okay. And he said, because they have to report on their tasks. And I kind of slunk my head down. I was like, all right. And I just figured like, he's lost the mission. Like he, he's now he's got everybody <laughs> like, taking tasks. And he called me back and he said, He's like, come back here. And I came back and he said, all my teams, the scrum master and the product owner put all their work on the board along with the team so that the team has visibility into what they're doing as well. And I was uh, like, damn, that's awesome. So yeah. I walked away thinking of it very differently, but this is another example of something that's made it into the scrum guide, which if you just, if you didn't know that and you saw, like if I saw that and didn't know that story, I would think, oh, well, you can be product owner slash dev team member or scrum master slash dev yeah. team. And mm -hmm. that is another one of those little things where, where I guess to me, like that's an example of something where somebody taking a class in this stuff, if, if there's a, you know, a certified trainer, whether it's scrum.org or scrum Alliance, I think there's people in the front of those rooms that can help, I don't know, mansplain is the only word I can think of, help clarify some of this stuff maybe. <laughs> um in a way that you wouldn't get just from reading it. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot that's not mentioned in there in, in that yeah. short document. And there's a lot that we all know that is a big part of being successful in these jobs. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, you heard it here first on a podcast that's not mine and I take no responsibility for. Uh, <laughs> Dave Pryor is responsible for getting some new stuff in the scrum guide by asking questions at a booth of Jeff Sutherland. Now, I don't want to be responsible for that. I feel like Come that's on, the moral man. of your story, isn't that? No, that's not the point. That's not what you're going for. Okay. <laughs> look, it's not even my podcast. So I, um, <laughs> look, talk to the boss. Uh, his name is Dave Pryor. <laughs> Dave Pryor. Uh, what else are you working on? 
besides so changing the scrum it's guide. It's all right now it's all product goal. So yeah. I I agree I offered a topic that was yep. graciously accepted about yeah. product goal because it's something in the scrum guide that I'm struggling with. And in my investigation of how people are using it and how they're interpreting it, what I'm finding is it's very contradictory. Mm. So um that's where my focus is. And I don't want to give too much away because I'm planning on springing it all at your event. Yeah. But um, I'm going to try to create as much clarity based on what I've been able to discover and practice and learn from talking to experts and doing stuff on my own um, and with teams and stuff as I can to, to just make that easier to understand. Because it, on a surface level, protocol totally makes sense. When you try to fit it into that five-layer onion of agile planning, if people subscribe to that, it kind of goes sideways. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, if people want to come and see your talk, I guess we should tell them that uh, they can join the Agile Virtual Summit for free uh, and see your talk and uh, some other great folks there. There are other five other session speakers and then Lisa Adkins giving the uh, closing keynote. Uh, and they they could go to like your special uh, special link. They could go to... Um, agilevirtualsummit.com slash Dave, and uh, they could register for their free ticket. We'll absolutely. Like to them. Yes, absolutely. Or probably the easiest thing to do is just to text the word Dave to 206-388-0876. That's 206-388-0876. If you text the word Dave to that number, I will send you a special link to go register for the Agile Virtual Summit. And you'll also have my cell phone number where you can just text me random Agile questions whenever you like. And then you can come and heckle Dave during the session. <laughs> Ask me all kinds of impossible questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, when they register, they will uh, get a link where they can enter a giveaway to win a free coaching session with the one and only Lisa Adkins. Uh, I'm super excited about this because there's no way really to get one-on-one -on -one coaching with Lisa these days. Uh, but since she's our keynote speaker, she agreed to give away uh, one coaching session to a lucky winner, the person who refers the most folks to the Agile Virtual Summit. Um, and you could get 40 minutes of one-on-one -on -one coaching with her. Um, I'm super happy that you uh, agreed to come and speak at, at the summit. Um, I totally appreciate it. So I'm well, I'm psyched to be there too. Well, let me ask you a question now. What else have you got going on? Because you're out there on the island in your compound, yeah. making stuff. But what else yep. are you doing besides the virtual summit? Well, um, we've got the virtual summit on March 31st. Uh, we will have another agile virtual summit, the uh, longer version that we had last year. We had had it last year, June uh, at the beginning of June, and we'll be doing it again this year, June seventh through eleventh. So five days yet again. Uh, we haven't announced the speakers yet, but um, uh, some of everybody's favorites will be there, and some new folks, and it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. So I'm working on that. Um, also, as sort of an outcome of last year's. The Agile Virtual Summit, we, we built like a really good community by accident um, via the summit. Uh, and uh, because of that, we've started something called Agile Mastery. Uh, and Agile Mastery is a uh, community, a membership community that uh, one can join. We have some founding members in it now, a uh, hundred something folks in it. Um, and we're just sort of working together to discover what would be most useful to folks. So currently, uh, we have a lean coffee uh, every week or some other uh, sort of loosely organized 
uh, event. Um, we have monthly speakers uh, that come in. In fact, I think uh, someone named Dave Pryor next week will be coming to Agile <laughs> Mastery <laughs> and talking about something other than the the um, the product goal, which yeah. we could chat about here in a moment. And sure. um, and yeah, so it is a place away from all the other noise of the interwebs um, uh, to get together as Agilists and talk about uh, stuff that's important to us, uh, figure out how to get help on those things, support each other, um, get new awesome content. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're building it together with uh, the founding members, learning more about what people want, and then we will uh, uh, open it up to folks outside of the 130 or so that are currently uh, involved, um, probably after um, one of these next summits, we'll probably open it up to folks. Um, but yeah, you're you're coming in uh, next week. Yeah, next week, and you're giving a talk on PMOs and Agile. One of my it's one of my honestly one of my favorite subjects. Um, I got asked a couple years ago to do some stuff for PMI, and it just kind of kept growing. Where uh, basically a lot of places have PMOs. A lot of those PMOs don't know why they exist. A lot of them have no idea what the hell's going on now that the company's switching over to Agile, and they're kind of like a dead man walking, freaking out because they can't figure out what they're supposed to do. And um, it came up with a tool that I'm going to present in the session. And the whole the whole conversation is basically about the idea that for a PMO to be relevant and valuable, it has to redefine its mission. It has to look at itself as a service organization whose client is the company it exists inside. And rather than trying to govern or control Agile, it's got to find a way to make it easier for Agile to exist in the organization. Um, so the whole thing's just about how to understand the mission of your PMO, why it's there, who it's supposed to help, how it's supposed to help. Um, and if, if nothing else, if all that does is get the people in the PMO to find a different way to look at the work that they're doing, I think that that it's a big win. I've got a Canvas tool that I present that we're going to use as well. So, and I get to talk about Sun Tzu, which is one of my favorite things. So, nice. And you have a Canvas, so it's totally agile. We're good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's fantastic. Because I, uh, it seems like uh, in organizations that goes, you know, one of two ways: either uh, the existing PMO that was not agile uh, sort of fights for their life and um, accidentally, probably with good intentions, but sort of gets in the way of of actual agility. Yeah. Um, or those folks sort of get excited about agile and then kind of become uber scrum masters in the organization, helping remove impediments and helping teams and such. Yeah, or or maybe one of the things I've seen a lot is that like senior leadership gets get their head around agile and the teams get their head around agile, but there's this chunk in the middle that's still trying to take the outputs of the teams and turn it into like traditional reporting and stuff because they think that's what right. they're still supposed to do. And that's just like one of those simple examples of things where it's like, yeah, that's just not helping anybody. Yeah. Um but they but they don't know any other way. So totally. um yeah, they're solving a problem we don't have anymore. They're solving a different problem. Right, right. Well, I look forward to uh, to that, uh, uh, learning about the Canvas, the tool, and all, all your great content, and more about the chunks in the middle, I guess. is really Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you a question now. Okay. okay. A positive question, because I think we've covered all the main business stuff. Yeah. Um, 
the pandemic's been really hard on a lot of people. And one of the things I've been trying to ask folks in, in the interviews is what is like one secret blessing that you got out of this time? Um, something yeah. that you weren't expecting. I mean, I know you've got a pretty amazing story. That's why I thought it would be cool to ask. But um, <laughs> I think to, to acknowledge the fact that despite how hard this is, there's some really amazing gifts that all of us have gotten from this time. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if you could talk about your story. Yeah, totally. Um, so I have a uh, four-year-old daughter who prior to the pandemic, uh, well, I guess wasn't four. <laughs> <laughs> she was some um, other age. Yeah, she was some other age that I can't recall anymore. Um, but, you know, just like you, I travel or used to travel a ton for work. You know, I, I'd fly like 100,000 miles in the U.S. every year. Um, and that meant not being at home uh, with uh, with my family. Um, and so we would do things like I, I, would, I would call and read her a bedtime story um, almost every night out on the road. We do it, you know, via uh, FaceTime and such. Uh, but it's not the same as, as being here. So... I think one of the, uh, like the bright lights of of what's been a really hard uh, time in all our lives, um, is that I've been home with them, which frankly took some adjustment at the at the very beginning of things, <laughs> <laughs> um, but has been great. And what it's allowed me to do, one of the things it's allowed me to do is that um, I have been doing a mindful minute with my daughter. Um, just one minute of, of meditation with her every night. Uh, and just the other day, we got to our uh, 100th night in a row um, of, of meditating. And uh, for a four-year-old, a minute's a long time. For, for an adult, a minute's a long time. <laughs> yeah, for my wife, a minute's a very long time. Um, and my, uh, I think what's most amazing about this is that... Um, even the few times where my daughter was not into doing this, because, uh, you know, it, it's hard to do something like that consistently for anyone, especially, I think, a four-year-old. Um, uh, she still ended up choosing to do it. Like, we talked about it a bit and talked about what it would feel like the next day if we sort of broke our chain of, of uh, meditating each night. Um, and she chose to do it even when it was uncomfortable. Um, and so it's been really... Uh, fantastic to to see her do this and be excited about doing it um, and just to have this time with her. Um, so I've been really thankful of that. Something that just honestly would not have happened um, otherwise. Like it, yeah, it, uh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I think it, it's really cool that you get that time together and, and that she's building that ability that yeah. that age is really, really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was happy after we did like five days in a row, and I was like, "Wow, I got five <laughs> like awesome. consistency out of my four, you know, three year old, yeah, four year old." Um, but no, now it's a it's a habit. Like she asked me yesterday um, in the middle of the day to do one with her, so we did that. And then in the evening, uh, she had a hard time. She was having, I think, because of the time change and stuff, she was having a little four year old meltdown. She was really upset. It was a you know, disaster for 15 or 20 minutes. And she had already told me that she didn't want to meditate again. Like after we meditated during the day, she's like, that's, that's our time today. I was like, okay, sounds she good. Was done. <laughs> and then she was super upset and she like stopped herself from crying eventually. And, and she was like, uh, dada, can we do a mindful minute? Wow. And I was like, of course. So we did that's one amazing. And, she, and she was, you know, happy afterwards. So, um, Man, if I've done nothing else in this year, that of, is a great gift to give to a child. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. 
So I feel super fortunate. And without the pandemic, um, not that I would have wished it on any of us, um, that yeah. would not have happened. Um, and now she's got, you know, if she keeps up with it, which hopefully she will, and it seems like she will, she's got yeah. something she can use forever. That's very cool. Nice yeah. job. Good Thank parenting. You. Thanks. Plus, you know, in my insight timer app that I use, now I got like this string of like, I think my previous run, like just on my own was like two and a half years. And then when I broke it, I got super mad because attachment leads to suffering. Um, I don't say that because I'm opening mine now and I am at 433 consecutive days. Yeah, it was somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Don't break like, the chain. Yeah, Dave. I know. I'm like, no, I can't. Then I'll be. I'll never get enlightened. Then I'll never you know get a sandwich. Oh my gosh! You know when that happened, I woke up in the middle of the night, past midnight, and was like, oh no, I forgot. Oh, gotta set the clock back. Yeah, there's no. You can't cheat like that. <laughs> no one will know. You'll lose. Fine. You'll lose in the karmic, meditation. Negative karmic points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. So if people want to find out, I'm taking back over now. If people want to find out about the summit, they go to agilevirtualsummit.com. To register, they go to agilevirtualsummit.com slash Dave. Yeah. And if they want to learn about Agile Mastery, where do they go? That is a good question. You know, it's not currently open to the public uh, because we did this founding member launch. But here's a little secret. If you register for the summit and you reply to the email that comes from me, comes from, well, it comes from questions at wisebart.com. Reply to that email saying, uh, how do I get into Agile Mastery? I'll see if we can fit you in. Um, Or you could just send an email to adam at agilemastery.com, can answer your questions about it, and we might have a spot or two. But uh, there's no registration form and such online right now because we just opened it up to founding members. But uh, get in touch with me if you're interested. You can come and see Dave's talk if you do that quickly. And maybe if Dave gets this podcast online quickly, I don't know. Um, and then they can come that and- That was like uh, a pretty subtle challenge there. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I believe you can do it. I mean, where are you going? You're not going anywhere. That's right. Yeah, I got no I might go in the other room. Yeah. I mean, but that's not that many steps. <laughs> you're in New York. That's true. I'm in 600 square steps. feet with three people and two cats. Yeah. You yeah. could live in a submarine. And we would feel spacious. Yeah. Uh, and David Marquet would be there and you'd be an amazing leader. <laughs> that's actually, I had a dream last night that you were in a submarine with David Marquet. Oh, that's and, terrible. And, uh, yeah. No? I had okay. a dream that my cats were playing in the bathtub. Um, all right. And if they want anything else, if they want build your own scrum, they want the, the video you make about bad things, things bad scrum masters say, any of your other stuff. Or yep. recess, they can all find that on wisebart.com. Yeah, that works. Right. Wisebart.com. Cool. Dude, this was fun. Thanks. And thank you for interviewing me and taking over. Hey, no you problem. Get to, thank you you for get to close me, uh... it out now. I you feel need... like that's a lot of pressure. Well, you I, we don't have a closeout catchphrase, so you're gonna have to come up with one. All right. Uh thanks for joining. Uh let, let, I gotta do this on the fly, huh? <laughs> Apparently not very well. No, no, I yeah. can totally do it. I yes. can totally do it. I, thank you for joining uh, me, your host, Adam Weisbart, and Dave Pryor, your normal host for The Reluctant Agilist. Until next time, stay agile, never change. <laughs> <laughs>